Proverbs 13, verse number 18. And this is the wisdom of Solomon. And here's what Solomon says uh, in the word. It says, poverty and shame will come to him who disdains correction. But he who regards a rebuke will be honored. I'm going to read it one more time. Proverbs 13, verse 18. Poverty and shame will come to him who disdains correction. But he who regards a rebuke will be honored. Lord, thank you for your word. I pray you speak to our hearts today in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. Well, like I said, I'm glad that each and every once, once, uh, one of you this morning are here. And um, I mentioned when we started this, we were going to be doing some teaching on overcoming and having a victorious life. The Bible tells us in John chapter 10, uh, specifically in verse 10, that uh, Jesus came to give us life and to give us a life that is more abundant. Amen? That means not a beat-up life, not a broken life, but a life that is pleasing to him, but it's also a life full of victory. Do you know that God wants you to have victory? He wants you to have victory in your marriage. He wants you to have victory in your mind. He wants you to have victory. That doesn't mean there are no problems in life, but the Bible says he's made us more than a conqueror. That means when problems do come, and they will, mountains come, and they will, valleys come, and they will, he wants to give us the wherewithal to be a, a victorious child of his in the middle of every one of those situations. And so this morning, I'm going to talk about something that really makes people cringe, and it makes me happy. Hallelujah. Because I, I like to see people get nervous. Praise God. But uh, this morning, I want to talk to you on the subject of finances. Now, it's not a tithing message, although we're going to talk about it. It's not a message really on, on giving, though we're going to talk about giving. This morning is a, a message about biblical stewardship. If you're a first-time guest here and you say, Lord, what did I walk into? Listen, I, people will tell you, I don't preach about this every Sunday, but I would rob you if I didn't tell you what God's Word said in its totality and entirety about our resources and how we handle them. And so this morning, I want to talk to you from this subject, overcoming lack. I want to ask you a question. It's not a trick question, but I want to ask you a question. How many of you could use more money? Raise your hand. If you didn't raise your hand, you lying. I don't know if you've caught the price of things lately. Everything's about 20 or 30% higher than it was a few years ago. Somebody really should do something about that. Can I get a witness? <laughs> Things are super high out there. Praise God, our economy is in an is, is in inflated state. And whether or not you're buying eggs, milk, gasoline, or whatever it might be. But uh, I want you to know something. Everything is inflated today a lot of times but wages. Praise God. But um, this morning, I want to talk to you about overcoming lack because there are biblical principles in God's Word that help us help, um, understand how to handle our finances. Now, listen, you don't have to cringe because there's not another offering being received today. Okay? All right? You, you can loosen up a little bit. Pastor's not coming for your money uh, or anything like that. But uh, I want you to know something, though, that God's Word has a lot to say. And I think we should strive to honor God in our life. You should honor God in the way that you live. You should honor God in the way that you speak and talk. You should honor God in the work ethic that you have on the job. 
The Bible says that when we work, by the way, we should work not as man pleasers or eye servants, but we should work as unto the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, because your boss may not see you you laying against that wall when he's not looking, but God does. And promotion doesn't come from jockeying to the top. Promotion doesn't come from the north, south, east, or west. Promotion comes from the Lord. And he knows how to bless his children because he's the all-seeing God. He's got eyes to and fro on the earth beholding that which is evil and which is good. So God sees what we do. We ought to have good, um, good work ethic. We ought to have victory in our marriage. And we ought to please God with our marriage. But we also need to please God with our wallets. Hello. But this is one of those areas that's the last to get sanctified in people's lives. It's the last to get sanctified in people's lives. In fact, it's been said that there is an invisible string tied to a person's heart in their pocketbook. You know, that may sound silly, but Jesus said it like this, where a man's treasure is, there his heart will be also. So listen, a person's involvement and love for the kingdom of God, now notice now, we're not talking about a dollar amount, but a person's love and connectivity to the kingdom of God is direct, in direct proportion with their giving. You don't believe that? It doesn't just go with that. It goes with anything. If you put money regularly in the stock market, you're going to check it. You're going to care. People who have no money in the stock market, they don't care what the NASDAQ does. In fact, they probably don't even know what the NASDAQ is or the S&P 500. They don't care. But people who do that, they check. Why? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen. Come on. I'm going to go a step further. If you put all your money in your kid's ball team, where's your heart going to be? All right now. I'm meddling too early. All right. Praise God. All right. Let's go a little bit further. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Many are uncomfortable a lot of times raising their hands and saying, yeah, you know, Pastor, I could use some more money because they act like money is like dirty or something. But I want to tell you, money is not dirty. Money is neutral. It actually takes on the characteristic of those hands that it's placed in. So you need to think about that. Now, let me ask you another question. Again, it's not a trick question. Really, it's not. But how many of you have heard that money's the root of all evil? You heard that before? Come on, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Wrong! If money's the root of all evil, you don't need to go to work tomorrow because you're a sinner and you need to repent getting that evil stuff. Money's not the root of all evil. The Bible says if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. And you don't eat on faith. You eat on Monday. Hello. So money is not wrong. That's one of the most misunderstood scriptures in all of the Bible because 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 20 says this, for the Love. Somebody say the love. The love of money is the root of all evil. Money is a tool. You know how you don't love money? It doesn't affect your mindset or your mentality all day long. You you don't love money when it can pass through your hands easily. You don't love money when it's not the driving force of your life every single day. Because money is simply a tool. So if you think then that money is truly evil, why don't you just give it all away? 
Come on, you should sign your truck over to somebody today if money truly is the root of all evil. But that's not what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that it's greed and it's covetousness and it's allowing money to be our God that actually is the, part, the root of all evil. And so I want to ask you a question this morning. Have you ever ran into a situation where you didn't have enough? There was more month than there was money. Anybody ever had to put something back at the checkout stand at Walmart? pretty embarrassing. I've been there before. Hate to do it. Um, But anyway, we've gone through situations where maybe we didn't have enough to pay the rent. We didn't have enough to pay the car note. We didn't have to pay enough for anything. And I'm going to tell you something, that, that, that poverty is not a blessing. It's not a blessing. It's a real thing. You need to realize some people are, are born into poverty where my wife and them are going to be going uh, over the next uh, few weeks, those people are born into poverty. They're not born into silver spoon families. They don't have poverty. Those people that are over there that end up getting out and being successful and being blessed, they have to do so by breaking out of those mindsets that are set before them. Which, by the way, Africa has some of the richest soil in all of the world but yet it has one of the highest poverty rates. You want to know why? Because when people are hungry, they eat all their seed. And they don't plant their seed that they have to put a further harvest. Does that make sense? In, in other words, if you harvest a bunch of wheat, you can't like eat all of it. You got to keep some of it to plant for the next time. So they have to get out of the mindset, right, of this I don't have enough for today, and there's no promise for tomorrow. And so some people are born into it. Some people grow up into poverty. Listen, I know people who were raised and lived through the Great Depression who are no longer poor, but they act like it. They act like it. They got plenty of food in the refrigerator, but they've got, now hold on, don't laugh just yet. They got plenty of food in the refrigerator, But they got country crock and butter bowls all in the refrigerator full of food from last week and the week before because they don't want to throw it away. And I'm not making fun because in those days, you didn't throw nothing away. But that mindset has carried with them even in a place to where they're no longer that way. So what I want you to know is that poverty sometimes is more of a mindset than a bank account balance. Because there are people that have a lot that are broke in their mind. And I want to tell you this, if you work at McDonald's, in fact, I'll I'll go and venture to say this, if you're on government assistance, you are still within the top percentile of the wealthiest people on the planet. When it relates to the impoverished in Pakistan, in India, and some of the other places, we are super, super blessed. Okay? We're blessed. So you got some people who are born into it, some people grow up into it, other people are poor or they go into poverty because of bad decisions, bad decisions in their lives. And so this morning, we're going to take all of this stuff and we're going to look at it because financial mismanagement, gambling, addictions, eating out too much, not honoring God, unnecessary debt, and keeping up with the Joneses can cause poverty 
and lack to come upon a person's life. Let me tell you something. I have known people who have lived better making $40,000 a year than some people who make $100,000 a year because there are people who manage the 40 better than the other people who manage the 100. Hello. Because a lot of times when people get increased, they raise their standard of living rather than their standard of stewardship and giving. And so their salary increases, but their bills increase. I've been guilty of this. So this morning, as we look at this, the Bible has a ton to say. Some people might even say, Pastor, why would you commit so much time to such a topic? I'll tell you why. Because when you look at the New Testament, when you take all of the passages on hell, all of the passages on heaven, and all the passages on prayer, Jesus preached more about the management of resources because it's the problem of the human heart. You don't believe me? Go add it up. So here's what Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. And people think, well, man, this sure isn't spiritual. If you could get your money right, you could do more spiritual things. If you got your money right, you could use it as a tool for the kingdom of God instead of paying Discover, MasterCard, American Express, Lending Club, Wells Fargo, and everybody else who's taking your money and my money, praise God, and investing it into worldly things. Come on, we could get out of debt and we could invest in the kingdom of God. Hello? Boy, I have struck a religious spirit nerve today. But that's okay. You're not mad that Budweiser has all the money. You're not mad that the NFL and all the other worldly industries have billions of dollars, but yet the church is satisfied with having to sell chicken dinners, come on, to fundraise the kingdom of God. It should not be that way. Hallelujah. If you can't say amen, say oh me. God wants you to be blessed. Not blessed so you can squander it on a house you don't need and a you know, things of that nature. God doesn't mind that you have nice stuff. Surely he doesn't. He just minds if it has you. How do you know if it has you? It has you when you can't give it away. Hallelujah. See, just like you want to bless your children, God takes pleasure in blessing his. But just like I wouldn't give my children at their age of maturity X amount of dollars, God wouldn't give some of us some because he knows what we'd do with it. Right? So when I'm talking about God wants you blessed, I'm not talking this morning that everybody is supposed to be a millionaire because that would literally cause some people to backslide. God knows the hearts of men. Here's, here's the thing. True biblical prosperity comes from the word peace, shalom. It means nothing missing, nothing broken. You need, you're having enough for your family, having enough to help others who are in need, come on, that's, that's blessed. That's blessed. And you can do, listen, you can do that with a lot less if you get everything else in order. And so we're going to talk about that this morning, all right? We're looking from the book of Proverbs. So um, Proverbs was written by Solomon to his sons. And there's all types of stuff in here. There's stuff about sexuality, and I'll be 
careful because there's children, young children in here. There's stuff about sexuality, relationships, finances, wisdom, uh, all types of things. And he wrote this as a man who God had blessed with so much wisdom to pass on to his children. And us, you and I today, are taking advantage of that. But Solomon was a very blessed man. But this morning, I want to take a conglomerate of the writings of Solomon, and I want us to look together and see what the Word of God says together. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, here's uh, the first thing, the first question we need to ask and answer today is this. What causes poverty? What causes poverty? Now, i got a bunch of scriptures, and I've got a bunch of things, and so I would avail yourself to write quickly because I want to go through these fairly quick. The first thing the Bible says that causes poverty, if you're taking notes, is laziness. Laziness. These are the words from Solomon. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 9 through 11. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from, the sleep, from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. I got a word for somebody. You can't sleep unless you work the night shift. I'll preface that. Unless you work the night shift, you can't sleep to noon every day and be blessed. Work is not a curse word. It did not come from the fall of man, contrary to some people's belief. God told Adam to tend the garden before him and Eve ever transgressed. It just became harder after the transgression. The ground became harder, and there's sweat by their brow and, and pain in childbirth and all that stuff. But work is not a curse word. If, if a person is, is in severe poverty, a lot of times, not every time, but a lot of times, especially among young, able-bodied people, it is laziness. Let me tell you something. The Bible has nothing good to say about being lazy. Zero. Zero. Nothing good to say about being lazy. So shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. In other words, bills will jump on you and try to rob you. You're going to say, Lord, where am I going to get this money? Work. Because I'll help a lot of people, but I won't help a lazy person. I'll help somebody who's trying. I'll help somebody who lost a job. I'll help somebody who even makes a bad decision and repents. But I am not helping a lazy person. Not going to do it. Laziness. Here's the next one. You ready? The next thing that causes poverty is neglect. Neglect. Somebody shout neglect. neglect. Proverbs 27 Verse 23 through 24, be diligent to know the state of your flocks and to attend your herds, for riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations. Go back to verse 23 of that portion. Now, you don't understand this unless you understand the culture. But in that culture, in, in the Middle Eastern world, where it still is today, in Israel, there's shepherds with sheep, and they're in the, where my wife and them are going in Messiah country, there's, there's shepherds with sheep and goats and cows, and these animals are essentially their income. It's their bank account. You know how wealthy a man is 
in some parts of the world, not based on their Wells Fargo balance, but based on how many cattle or sheep that they have. And so every morning and every evening, they would go out and they would count them and they would make sure that they haven't lost anything. You know what they were doing? I'm going to give you a banking word. You ready? It's called reconciling. I know what I started with. I know what I'm supposed to end with. I need to make sure that everything is in order. You know, a few years ago, I talked to a very successful business person who was going through some financial troubles. And, you know, pretty, pretty close relationally with this person, and we were talking back and forth, and, and uh, something very interesting came out. I said, okay, um, what's the source of your trouble? They said, I don't really know how much money I got. I never balanced my checkbook. I just spend and spend and hope my car doesn't decline. This was not a teenager. It was a person in their almost 60. So listen, I know we don't, a lot of times, young people, use paper checkbooks anymore, but there are ways for you to keep track of what you spend. There's a curse word. It starts with a B. Ready? And it's not the one you think. It's called a help me. A budget. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks, man. Look, if I, look, I'm going to tell you right now, if I got $100 missing out of my bank account, I know about it because I look. Because I'm not only looking for what goes out, I'm looking for some supernatural. Come in, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. But be diligent to know the state of your flocks and to attend to your herds. Why? Because wealth doesn't last forever. You got, you got to manage what you have. Some of you are not broke because you're lazy in work. You're broke because you're lazy in budgeting. You need a Dave Ramsey book. You need Crown Financial. You need something that will help you manage what you have. Hello. All right. Y'all still here? Have you gone home? Okay. All right. Can't see. These lights are bright. Laziness. Neglect. Here's the third thing that causes poverty. This one's going to sting a little bit. Are you ready? Greed. Greed. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, and I'll explain it. Proverbs 11, verse 24. Here's what Solomon said. There is one who scatters, and yet he increases more. Yet, and there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. Now, let's read it again. There's one who scatters. Now, I want you to think about an agricultural society that relays on farming, okay? So the Bible uses the analogy of seed and sower for finances, and it uses it for the Word of God. It's a good analogy. But Solomon is using that. There's one who scatters, and yet he increases more. Why? Because the more seed you put out there, the more harvest you have. But then notice, it says, there is one who withholds more than is, look at it, what's that word? Right. One that withholds more than is right. Okay. So in other words, there's an amount you're supposed to withhold to yourself. But don't take more than is right. Because when you do, why? It leads to poverty. So sometimes poverty is not because of laziness. 
Sometimes poverty is not because of mismanagement. Sometimes poverty is because you've held on to money that you're not supposed to hold on to. We'll get into that a little bit later. All right, here's the next one. What causes poverty? Sometimes overindulging causes poverty. Proverbs 23, verse 21, you ready? Look at this. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and and drowsiness will clothe a man with rags. Proverbs 21, 17 reads like this. He who loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. Let's go back to Proverbs 23, 21. Let's read again. For the drunkard and the glutton will what? Come to poverty. That, that, that means right here, if you love to get drunk and you love to eat too much, you're going to be poor. I ain't write it. Don't stone me. Some of y'all are broke. I hope you're not the drinking crowd, but we don't preach on gluttony more uh, enough than we should. I hope you're not the drinking crowd, but some of y'all are broke because you eat at McDonald's too much. You eat at Brahms too much. You don't need a 44-ounce gulp every time you go to Jiffy Trip if you can't pay your light bill. Hello, somebody. If you got to have soda, go down to the Dollar Tree, hello, and get you a 99-cent two-liter until you can get to a place where you can afford it. Now, that offended a lot of people, but you'd be surprised how many people want the church to pay their bills because they can't manage their money. It's not our job to bail you out of trouble every time you get in trouble. It's our job to, yes, be compassionate and help, but to also give you the resources so you don't keep getting in the same old hole that you get in every day. Don't have too much pride to eat ramen noodles every now and then and beanie weenies. Come on. Anybody ever had to eat eat some lower stuff until you got some things that I have? Amen. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty. I I worked with somebody one time. My mom used to manage a restaurant and when I was a a high school student. And uh, the the restaurant had a a, a policy to where if you wanted to eat. Now, you know, I think Brahms gives you free food on on a shift or something. We didn't have that. My my mom managed a steakhouse and they had a hot bar buffet, kind of like Red Prairie. It was a western sizzling, if any of you know what that is. But mom, man, is one of those. And if you wanted to eat on your shift, you just signed your name to the back of a ticket. Well, that's magical and all until when payday comes around, you ain't got no check. Because you ate your whole check. You better eat before you come to work. Bro, some people act like they're too good to get a dollar loaf of bread and a $3 roll of bologna and fake it till you make it. I love what Dave Ramsey says. You live like, like nobody now, so you live like nobody later. Some people live way above their means. But if you like to drink and you like to eat too much, you are going to be poor. And drowsiness will clothe a man with rags. Okay, I hit y'all. Let me go to the next one. Proverbs 21, 17. He who loves pleasure could be, listen, could be anything. Now, notice, notice Something does not have to be sinful to be a hindrance. That's why the Bible says lay aside every weight and the sin that easily besets you. 
Some of you are not poor because you eat and drink. Some of you are poor because you like hunting and golf too much. I said too much. Nail salon too much. How you like that one? There you go. The mall too much. Amazon Prime too much. Hello, can I keep going? I didn't say it's wrong to use it. I said too much. You know why? Because people use money and spending. It's called retail therapy for a reason. Some people aren't drug addicts, but boy, they get a dopamine high to go buy stuff on sale that they don't even need because it's on sale, praise God. But you bought two of them, and you didn't even need it. If you love pleasure, you will be a poor man. Whew. Number two, let's go on. Somebody pointed their clicker to the back and started their car already. Praise God. That's all right. That's all right. Hit the offering box on the way out. Get that poverty spirit off of you. Number two, why is poverty a curse? You ready? In, inability to pay your bills. Inability to help those in need. It robs people of their dignity. We go quickly. Why do you need to overcome it? Because... Faith doesn't pay the light bill. I mean, it can help you get some money, but they don't take that at the counter. Printing of Bibles costs money. The gospel's free, folks. You don't have to buy anything from Jesus. Free. But for you to get on a plane and go tell somebody about it does cost. Even if somebody else pays it for you, it still costs something. You should overcome it because God wants you to come out of it. So number four, I'll go quickly. Number four, how do we overcome it? We're back in Proverbs. You ready? I got five things. I'm going to run through them quickly. Five, five. Somebody say five. five. How do you overcome it? The first one, you ready for this? Tithe. Proverbs chapter three, verse nine and 10. You ready? Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits. Of all of your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty. And your vats will overflow with new wine. Now I was trying to stay in Proverbs. But to give you the backstory of, of, um, of tithing. It's a principle that predates the law. It actually goes back to the Garden of Eden. And I can prove it. Because one of the two kids out of Cain and Abel. One of their offerings was rejected. And one of them was accepted. Uh, Cain gave what he wanted to. Abel gave the first fruits. He had to learn it from somewhere. I believe he learned it from the garden because God put a tree there that I believe was one of the first trees that were put there. They were told not to eat of it because that was God's. God reserved it for himself. And when they ate what God had reserved for himself, a curse came upon them. So they knew something about first fruits, Cain and Abel did. Then Abraham tithed to Melchizedek before the law was given. So it's included in the law, but it's not, it predates it. But the tithe was to be the amount of money set aside, the first fruits, the first tenth. The word tithe means tenth. It's the first tenth of our income. In other words, if you make a dollar, my grandma taught me it's 10 cents. If you make $100, it's how much? $10. If you make 1000 it's how much? Okay, you get the point, right? So, it is, has a purpose because out of the 12 tribes that crossed over into the promised land, 
The one tribe was not allotted anything as an inheritance because they were the ministers. They were the ones who were the priests. And they were to minister in the temple so that they would provide a place of worship for the people of God to come and worship God and to receive instruction and those things. And so the tithe, the purpose of the tithe was to put God's house first so that there would be ministry in God's house to make sure that the priests were available and that the structure was there for worship to continue in Israel. So notice what he says. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all of your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will burst forth with new wine. Malachi chapter 3 says it like this. Bring all your tithe into the storehouse. Somebody say the storehouse. So that there might be food and meat in my house, says the Lord of hosts. And try me now in this, says the Lord, that I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. So the first thing, if you want to overcome it, you need to learn to be a tither. Praise God. I'm a tither. My wife's a tither. Our staff's a tither. You say preachers tithe? Oh, yeah. We practice what we preach. You don't practice that around here. You got to find somewhere else to go. Amen, because we can't lead people in a place that we're not willing to go ourselves. Proverbs. So notice this. The tithe goes for a specific purpose. The tithe is for the ministry of the local church. This uh, carried on into the New Testament, into the synagogue, and into the church. That's why the book of Acts says on the first day of the week, you lay up in store as God has blessed. It's a reference to the tithe. And so we tithe. It's important for us to do that. Listen, how many of you would be sad if there was no ministry in the church? How many of you would be sad if we came next week, no air conditioners, no lights, no staff, no nobody? Well, it happened in Nehemiah's day. Nehemiah was a prophet in the days of Malachi, and when they were building, the people had stopped tithing, and there was nobody in the temple. So the backdrop of the book of Malachi, when God says, return unto me, and I'll return unto you, says the Lord, is calling the people back to doing what they were called to do. And so the tithe is very important. Now, where does the tithe belong? It belongs in the storehouse. It's the place where you go to eat. Now, hear me out. The storehouse, the, the tithe does not go wherever you want it to go. You don't send it to a TV ministry. You don't do it because that's not your local church. Now, if you're a widow or you're homebound or you don't go to church, I guess you got to pray about what you do. But if you belong to a church, it should go to the church that you call home because that's where you receive your spiritual nourishment. People say, well, it's all the church. Praise God. Well, that's true. But you don't eat at McDonald's and pay at Burger King. Try that and see how it works. It ain't happening. Amen. Hallelujah. That's a good place to start. Why? Because when you show God that you're putting him first, he's going to put your stuff first. Which, by the way, you can't pay a tithe and you can't give a tithe. Really, all you can do is return a tithe. You can return it or you can steal it. That's why God said, can a man rob God? How have we robbed you in tithe and offering? You know why? God designated the tithe to himself. Hello? Hello? Is this in the Bible? It is. God designated it to himself. So I encourage people. I do this. It's a principle I practice. Tithing is the first thing I do when I get paid. 
I don't do it out of legalism. I don't believe God is into legalism. If you write a check and you put it on the side of your bed and you hold it till the next week, I don't think it's a problem. But I'm telling you, I do it because I want the first thing that I spend to go back into the kingdom of God. It's a tithe. Okay, here's the second one. You ready? I know that was kind of spiritual, so let me give you something practical. How do you overcome it? Somebody shout work. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11. Wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished, but he who gathers by labor will increase. Listen, God blesses a good work ethic. If you can't be faithful with a $5 job, what makes you think God's going to bless you with a $100,000 job? Okay? Principle transcends. God honors a good work ethic. Notice what he says. Wealth gained by dishonesty will soon be diminished. There's a lot of ways people get money, but it passes through their hands. Because God doesn't honor that. He honors integrity. He honors honesty. But if you gather the right way, the Bible says you'll increase. Okay? Here's another one. You ready? Save. Somebody say save. All right, here we go. Proverbs 21, 20. There is desirable uh, treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it. There is a desirable treasure and oil in the house of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it. Another translation says, a foolish man squanders all that he earns. So, the thing is, Everybody should have a rainy day fund. Because let me just tell you, there is coming a day. It's not a negative confession. I'm a faith man. But one day, your tires are going to run out. Your washing machine is going to break. Okay? Because it's natural equipment. And if you don't plan for that and save a little bit back, then all of a sudden something becomes an emergency that shouldn't be an emergency, right? Now, this is hard because sometimes in order to save for later, you have to say no to now, right? I got news for you. It's much better to save money to buy the Apple Watch that you want to have, that you think you have to have because your neighbor has one, than to finance it for $19.99 a month for 29.99% interest for three years or four years. Okay? Saving. Okay? Put a little back. $10 a check. Five. Well, start somewhere. Put a little bit back. Have a rainy fund for things that happen. Then if there's an emergency in your family and you got to go home and make a trip somewhere or whatever, it's not, you're, not, you're not running to your credit cards to rack up a big bill and all that kind of stuff, you save him, right? That's how you overcome it, planning. Okay, here's the a, here's a, here's a fourth one. Here's a spiritual one. You ready? How do you overcome it? Help the needy. Help the needy. Proverbs 19, verse 17. He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, 
and he will pay back what he has given. He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. Now, there's a caveat to this. This doesn't mean have pity on the poor and take a picture. It doesn't mean have pity on the poor and make a YouTube video. When you look at Matthew's gospel and Jesus is talking about when you fast, when you pray, when you give, he's talking about when you give there, when he says don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing, he is talking about alms giving, which is giving to the poor. Not your tithe. I've had people fight me through the years because they wanted to be a deacon or something, and we, you know, I don't pay attention to people's tithe records. You can ask our office. I really don't. I, can't, I could, but I don't. But <clears throat> when we have a leader that say we're going to put a board member in or I'm looking at a teacher, I always ask a question. Are they a tither? There's no record. That's why it's important to do so. Because if I, if I can't trust you with money, I'm not going to trust you with people. I'm not going to do it. So, that went over like a lead balloon on a submarine with a screen door. All right. Hello, somebody. So, he who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back. If you want to break that poverty mindset off your life, find somebody worse off than you and help them. Buy their coffee, I don't know, do something. Help them. And by help them, I don't mean go in your closet and give stuff that's got holes in it that you wouldn't wear. Give them something good. You know you got that can of beans in the back of that pantry that's been there for four years and it's expired. Don't give that one. We're trying to give blessings, not botulism. Amen? I was on the board of the Hope Center. I seen some stuff. Out-of-date stuff. Help the needy. Invite somebody over for dinner on the holidays that has no family. Take them food. Help a widow, a true biblical widow. Help somebody that has need. And when, here's the principle, though. When you live with an open hand, God says, I, I, I'm going to repay you. Because let me tell you how God blesses people. He blesses people through people. And God says, if you open your hands, I'll open my heart. And I'll cause it to come through you if it'll pass through you. And I don't know if you've noticed something. I've never owned a water hose that you turn it on and turn it off and the water hose is dry. A water hose is not a container. It's not meant to hold water. It's meant for water to pass through. But it gets wet in the process. When you learn to be a blessing to other people and you have open hands, you are going to get blessed in the, in the consequence. That's not what we do it for. We do it for obedience, we do it for love, we do it for compassion, but guess what? A byproduct of our obedience, God says, I will, I will pay you back. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's dollar for dollar. It doesn't mean if you give a set of tires, you're going to get a set of tires. It, 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 we don't know how it's going to come back, but know that it's going to come back because God sees. Are you with me? All right, all right, let's move on. Here's another one. Here's the fifth one. How do you overcome it? We talked about the tithe at the beginning. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about offering. 
Because he said tithe and offering. Proverbs 21, 26. Read this. The greedy, the covet, the, uh, he covets greedy all day long, but the righteous gives and does not spare. You know, righteous people love to give because it's in our heart. God has blessed us to give. He's blessed us to, and he wants us to give. And the righteous, they give and they don't spare. You know, all of us probably know people like that. They, they'd give everything in their pocket if they could. That's why they keep it in different pockets, praise God. <laughs> uh, you haven't worked around needy people if you don't know that trick. When I go overseas, I don't keep all my money in one pocket. If I'm doing homeless outreach, I don't keep all my money in one pocket because I ain't pulling out all that money in front of everybody. I put a little in here and a little in here, and sorry, bro, that's all I got in that pocket. Except I don't say that part out loud. But, you know, I'm joking. It's okay to laugh a little bit. The righteous give and they don't spare. You know, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it feel great? Every time a missionary came through, every time a, a ministry come through, whether or not they're doing missions or they're, you know, uh, buying a vehicle for a missionary or, you know, helping re uh, rescue children out of, out of trafficking, if you're able to just open up and just write them an offering. Yeah, wouldn't it feel great? Now listen, some of y'all been mad at me this whole message. But here's what I want to tell you. You could if you get some of the other stuff in order. And I've got some news for you, Darren. I'm finished. Somebody say, thank God. <laughs> I got some news for you. Here's some news for you. Because I know somebody, some people are like, Pastor, I'm tithing and it ain't working. Well, I got some news for you. No other preacher may have told you this, but I'm going to tell you. Tithing's not a magic bullet. What you do with the first tenth of your income matters, but what you do with the 90 matters too. Because I can tithe all day, but if I, if I am not using what I have and I'm not budgeting, or I'm not saving, or I'm not counting my sheep, or I'm not, you know, giving to the poor when the Lord instructs on my heart or giving in offerings, if I'm not being led of the Lord in those areas, guess what? Then it's called it's mismanagement. Now, you say, Pastor, why is this spiritual? It's spiritual because, first of all, I've showed you just in one book of the Bible how much it covers. But I could do the very same thing in Matthew. I could do it in Mark. I could do it in Luke. I could do it in John. I could do it in Corinthians. I could do it in Philippians and Colossians. I can show you God's plan for resources because he wants you to live an upright life. And he wants your life to honor him with what you have. There are some people, they would not think twice about going to the mall if they had it and buying a $100 pair of shoes. But if a missionary or an evangelist came through or a ministry, I would do anything for love, Jesus, but I won't do that. Because 
we haven't really won the battle with stewardship in our mind because here's what the Bible teaches us. The Bible actually teaches us that not only is the 10% God's, but actually we're just managers over all of it. It's actually all his. And if you don't have this mentality, you need to change it. Lord, my house is yours. My car is yours. My computer is yours. My guitar is yours. Everything I have is yours. Because if it's God's, listen, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and give my reward away to you. I have given away my share of expensive stuff. Because God said, okay, you really believe that? Let's see. Let's see. Because when it's God's, he asks you to give it. Then it's not a problem. And please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you give it to the church. There are so many other areas God can speak to you. To, it could be to give to somebody in your family. They need a car, right? You got more than one car. And God says, I want you to give them that car. Hold up, Lord. Well, listen, if you've already said, Lord, that car, that's your car. Then when he says, give it away, it ain't no problem. Because that's God's car. Now, it's not, it's not God's car if he's still paying six years on it. In fact, funny story, Africans stay in debt so that they don't have to give people stuff. It's true. It's part of their culture. They have notes on everything. They pay it off. They refinance it. Because that when they're, they, somebody comes and says, hey, can I have this motorcycle? Can I, have, I can't, man. I got a note on it. Seriously, it's true. I have a whole book on African culture and money. That thick. It's crazy. But us, if we're going to say our lives belong to Jesus, then we've got to realize everything in our life belongs to Jesus. So this morning, there's no weird altar call. Nobody's bringing money, throwing it at the stage. It'd be kind of weird. But I do want you to leave here thinking, how can I do better in this area? For some of you, it's you need to start tithing. For some of you, you're tithing, but man, you ain't budgeting your money. You're spending all of it at McDonald's and, and, and at Hutch's and Jiffy Trip. And, and what should be going to the light company and other places is going other places. And so your, your debt's stacking up and then you're in trouble. Well, you know, the great thing is God gives us wisdom. And if we're willing to say, Lord, help me with this, he will help you with it. Amen? Stand up on your feet with me.